for just the joy of laughter, Lord. It says in the Proverbs that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And so, God, we are so grateful that you've given us a sense of humor, Lord, that we can we can laugh and enjoy our fellowship and, and laugh at one another, Lord. If we can't laugh at ourselves, Father, then uh, we're just altogether too serious. So we thank you for that, and we thank you for the blessing of being together and just the friendships that you've brought together and the lives that you've uh, just called into unity, Lord, in this place. And God, we are thankful for the work that you've done here. Seeing some of those photos, Lord, we're mindful of just uh, the work that you've accomplished here, Lord, and, and what a blessing to be a part of that. And God, we would ask that you would speak to us tonight as we continue our study here tonight on the subject of prayer, Lord, and through the summer. We ask that you would really in, encourage our hearts in prayer and instruct us, Lord, in the art of prayer. We know that this is uh, such an important part of our Christian journey and our, our church life, and we ask that you would minister to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would uh, open up uh, to Luke chapter 11. So remember, last week we kind of kicked off our summer series on the subject of prayer by watching uh, the Jim Simbola House of Prayer video together. And uh, we'll be tracking tonight, uh, talking about prayer again. Uh, the, the book by Pastor Chuck, Prayer, Our Glorious Privilege, is going to serve as somewhat of an outline for us. I encourage you to pick yourself up a copy and... Uh, we are ordering those books, and we have a sign-up sheet out front if you want to get on the list. But we'll, we should have enough for all that, uh, that, as you need them, we can get more. But uh, what I want to do tonight is just kind of look at Luke's rendering of what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. And then uh, some other verses that we'll look at together and kind of get started in our introduction of prayer. Kind of defining it a little bit tonight and talking about the different types of prayer that God has given to us and called us to. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so Jesus is praying, and his disciples say, Lord, teach us how to pray. John the Baptist taught his disciples, and we would ask that you would teach us to pray. And Jesus gives us something of a model for prayer. This is not to be the literal prayer that you would recite, although there's nothing wrong with memorizing that as a recital, recited prayer. But it's more of a model, more of a sample of the kinds of things that you should be praying about. So we'll look a little bit at that tonight. But I want to I share a couple other verses with you, and I'll try and have these up on the overhead for you. Uh, if you see there in Acts chapter 2, verse 42... This is when the early church was just being formed and just being born. The Holy Spirit had just been poured out. God was doing this wonderful new work. Many were becoming saved. And it says this of this early church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And it goes on to say, just a couple verses down, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, 
They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We see in the early church, really, to be honest, a very simple model of fellowship. Uh, They were given, it says, steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine. This was the study and teaching of the word. They were also given to fellowship in the breaking of bread. This meant, you know, uh, developing friendship and relationship with one another. Breaking bread, probably uh, not only just having meals together and fellowshipping, but also probably the Lord's table, taking communion together. And in prayers. Really, so the word fellowship and prayer, these seem to be kind of the three foundational things that the early church did steadfastly. And pretty simple model, and yet we see that doing that, that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now there's a lot of things that churches can do that I think are worthwhile in terms of outreach, in terms of uh, community uh, ministry, and and, uh, even in mission work, and things that we long to do as a church. But... Let's not forget this simple understanding of the things that we must mainly be steadfastly focused on. And that is that we should be studying God's Word together. We should be fellowshipping, coming alongside one another in relationship, and we should be praying. If we will do these three things and do them well, God will add to the church daily. God will bring in those to be saved. God will bless and prosper the work. Now, God may lead us to do and send out missionaries, and we see that in the New Testament. The church in Antioch, they sent the Apostle Paul and Barnabas out on mission work. And out of this healthy church uh, environment, other ministries did spring up, and they do, and we would expect those too. But this is at the beginning. This is the core. This is the foundation. And it, it seems to me that uh, you know we're, we're pretty good, to be honest, especially a kind of a Calvary Chapel model of ministry, we're we're really diligent about teaching the Bible. I mean, that's what we're really focused on trying to do. Teach through the Scriptures and really stay focused on the Word. And and I would say that, you know, especially here at Calvary Chapel Monrovia, we're pretty blessed in the area of fellowship, too. I mean, uh, every time the doors are open, somebody wants to have a meal and we're doing something, a lot of fellowship, we're, we're getting together a lot, a lot of opportunities for fellowship. And I think that's, that's essential. It's one of the blessings. It's one of the things we should be doing. But I think one of the things that we probably need to grow in, and this is not uncommon, okay? This is not just our church. I think this is, this is the hard piece for a lot of churches. And that is in the area of prayer. Being diligent in prayer. And as we saw last week, there is so much power available to us as believers if we will but pray. If we will tap into the resource of God through prayer, God will do wondrous things in our midst and through our lives and for our lives. And so I want us to spend this season in studying just what prayer is, the importance of it in our lives, and also just practically how we can really move forward and grow in the area of prayer. I would say just the simple definition of prayer, it's simply communicating with God, speaking to God, talking to God. That is what prayer is, us communicating with Him. But 
Concerning the purpose of prayer, I, I like what Pastor Chuck says, and I'll quote him here, and I have it for you. People often misunderstand the purpose of prayer. They think mistakenly that prayer is a way to get God to do the things we want done and bring the things we desire. But that was never God's intention for prayer. The purpose of prayer is that we may join hands with God to accomplish His purposes here on earth and to accomplish what otherwise might not have been done had we not prayed. Now that's kind of what we saw in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it, Jesus? In teaching the disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think probably a starting place for prayer is understanding why we pray. And I think, you know, I I know I've been guilty of falling into that mindset. Well, the reason I pray is because I need to plead with God to do what I need done, what I want done, and what I'm expecting and hoping and asking Him to do. When in reality, prayer is rather calling His will to be done in and through my life. And so our hope is that our desires are aligned with His. And when they are, of course, we're praying our desire, but it's also His desire. But we also have to recognize that not every desire that I have and pray for is necessarily His desire for me or through me. I have to allow the Lord, and even in my prayer, even in my request, even in my you know, crying out to God, I have to be willing to yield ultimately to His will. That's what Jesus said in the garden. He said, Father, if it, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I think that's a good starting place for prayer in our hearts, recognizing that, that I'm really, God has is, God is kind of asked me to join in this kingdom work, and that as I would pray His will, He will hear and effect that will through my prayer life. And so we're really bringing heaven's will to, to be accomplished on the earth. And our prayer must always be surrendered to Him. And there are a number of expressions of prayer. And I want to talk about some of those tonight. Uh, prayer is not always just asking God to do things, although that is certainly part of prayer. But I think there are a number of other types of prayer. And I want us to look at a little bit of that. The first, first thing that I want to talk about is worship. Worship is an expression of prayer. We don't always connect that. We always kind of think of prayer as petitions, asking God to do. And to, but if we define prayer as communicating and speaking to God, well, what is worship? Worship is communicating and speaking to God. We're offering up thanks. We're offering up just uh, uh, extolling Him for His character, for His glory. We're appreciating Him and letting Him know it. We're declaring His faithfulness. We're communicating something towards God. It's our worship. It's an expression of worship. But it is part of our prayer life. And so really, this, that time when we come together to sing, a lot of times we think of worship as, oh, that's, that's singing songs in church. Not really. It's singing prayers in church. It's part of our congregational prayer time that we would come together and that we would worship God in prayer, put to music, put to song. I believe that God has given music uh, for this purpose. I really believe this is the highest use of music. I'm not opposed to other styles and types of music. I enjoy other styles and types of music. Now, some music I would say probably not so good, 
But, uh, you know, I think there's a wide variety in music, and, it, and it's to be enjoyed. But I think the highest use of music, really, is in worship. It seems to me that God has given us this capacity to connect with music that just seems to go deep in the soul. And somehow that, to me, is what I'm trying to do when I worship God. I'm trying to bring something that is deep down in my heart up to the surface to express to the Lord. It's almost like sometimes words just aren't enough, right? Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. Lord, And I say it and I mean it, but it doesn't seem to communicate the full depth and passion that I feel about God. But when I put it to music, when it's put to song, it just it, it takes on a whole other level of expression. And it's not just true in worship, it's true in... It's just the way God has wired us, right? Love songs. Some of the greatest love songs are simple lyrics, but something about the, the melody and the way it, you know, it expresses, oh, it's just really, you know, it touches our hearts. And so it is in our worship. It's really our love song to God. It's our expressing in music a prayer of thanks and praise. And I think worship is such a beautiful thing that God has given to us in relationship with Him. I would have to say, for me, it's probably the funnest kind of prayer. Some prayer is hard work, but worship I enjoy. I enjoy singing to the Lord. I enjoy making melody in my heart to the Lord. I I sense His Spirit kind of communing with me during that time. So my prayer in song is, it's not just me putting out words or music, but God seems to be coming and inhabiting that praise, seems to be enthroned in our midst as we worship Him and honor Him. So it is an important part of of the church prayer, and worship is certainly an aspect of our prayer life. Worship does a lot of things for us in, in our fellowship. One, it brings us together in unity. There's something about the greatness of God that we can all agree on. It kind of unifies our hearts. When we're singing in worship, all of a sudden, all of our differences, all of our troubles, all of our trials, for at least a moment, are set aside, and we are with one heart and one voice acknowledging the greatness and the glory and the goodness of our God. And that just brings us together, like family, like you know, like a family reunion, kids coming home to honor their Heavenly Father. And there's this really sense of unity. And I think that worship also has an important part in the rest of our prayer life. Worship seems to set the tone for fruitful praying. I would say this, that worship has a tendency to humble my heart before God. So, you know, it's it's hard to be kind of high-minded and, you know, proud and then worshiping God. Worshiping God is all about ascribing worth to Him. It has a certain tendency to humble my heart. I come into the presence of the Almighty God, and all of a sudden, like Isaiah said, when he saw the Lord, I'm undone. He realized how really small and humble and insignificant and unworthy he was even to be in the presence of God, but then God touched him. God cleansed him. And, and to re- recognize that by His mercy and by His grace, we have this opportunity to be in His presence. It's a, there's a certain humbling of the heart. And I think that's a good prayer posture. Not to come in making demands on God, 
but to come in humbly and make requests. So worship kind of sets the heart in the right place. We're humble. The other thing that worship does is it exalts God. And I think that's good and healthy for faith. I don't want to be praying to a God that I think is probably not listening or maybe not able or not going to do it. I don't know if he can do it. How can he do it? Look at the circumstance. When we exalt God in worship and the greatness of God, something of his stature in our hearts grows. Now, he doesn't change. He's as as great as he is all the time. But our faith, our, our, our view of God grows when we worship Him. And that's conducive for faith. And that's, the, that's what you want to be praying in, by the way. You want to be praying in faith. You want to pray, be praying to a God who is great. To a God who you do believe is capable of all things. You want to pray to a God that you know loves you and has been good to you. You want to pray to a God that's been faithful and you're recounting His faithfulness in your worship, in your praise. It strengthens and prepares your heart for for the rest of prayer life. So how important is worship? I encourage you tonight to be, you know, just thinking in your own life. Sometimes uh, worship is set aside by some. Uh, kind of not the important part of our service. Or, you know, just not something that I'm really into. It is prayer. And prayer is one of the most important things that we can be doing together as a church and as an individual. I would encourage you in your worship life to see it as a part and extension of your prayer life. And I believe that it, it enhances and really opens the doors for faith and proper understanding for the rest of our prayer life. I think it's a significant part of prayer. So we pray uh, in worship. The second kind of an expression in prayer, which is the one we are most accustomed to, is the prayer of petition. Praying for those things that we need. And the Bible encourages that. We ought not to feel selfish if we're praying for the things that we need. As we see here in the model of the Lord's Prayer, we see that, it, that the Lord's Prayer begins in worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But then he goes right into petition. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Don't think yourself selfish when you ask God for those things that you need. God is wanting and desiring for you to look to Him as your source, as your provider. He doesn't want you trusting in yourself. He doesn't want you trusting in man or in money or in government or in the job you're trying to get or the, you know, the spouse or, or any other resource. He wants you trusting in Him. Notice with me Philippians 4. You don't need to turn. I think I have this one for you too. Philippians 4. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, there's that worship element again, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Petition, bringing your requests. His word tells us to pray about everything. Everything. In everything. Come and pray. And notice it's set in contrast to being anxious. Be anxious for nothing, but in 
everything pray. It's, it's kind of a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's not just the formal setting time aside to pray. It is that. I think that we should have a, a disciplined time to pray in our life. But it's, it becomes kind of this way that you live your life. You're in an attitude. Paul would say, pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean you, you do nothing else but stay in your you know, prayer closet and pray, but it means that having this attitude in and through your day, you are praying, you are in communication with God, and you're not letting things become uh, to worry you. You're not think, letting things stir you up with anxiety. Things happen, don't they? <laughs> a phone call. I had one of those today. I had a phone call today that just stirred me up, and I, you know, it just knocked me off my whole, you know, reality of walking in faith. I was doing fine. I wish they hadn't called. <clears throat> Nobody from the church. Something outside the church. So, uh, but you know, and it just kind of unsettled me. And I had all kinds of opportunity to have some fear and anxiety and worry, but I instead I took it to prayer. This passage, of course, I was getting ready for tonight and thinking, Lord, I better put this right into practice right now. I could be anxious or I can pray. So I've set it back over into the Lord's hands and I'm trusting Him. And guess what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. We see in Jesus' instruction that, that we are to be praying daily, don't we? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our bread day by day. So God expects us to be regularly and routinely coming to Him with petition, making your requests known. James said, you have not because you ask not. We're so, and I think this is part of our, our the human condition, but I think it's maybe even more so in, in the American culture. We, we are so self-sufficient. I mean, we have something for to handle everything we have a pill for every problem we have a an electric device to solve every discomfort and we we're so kind of self-dependent self-sufficient and we 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 just we can manage pretty well without even thinking much on god and then until a crisis arises and then we're crying out to him but but jesus's instruction is that you would be looking to him for all the details of your life you know, I'm not that worried, to be honest, about my meals for tomorrow. I'm not really worried that that's not, you know, that I'm not going to have my a meal, you know, tomorrow morning for breakfast. But that doesn't mean that I should take for granted where those meals are coming from, and who is ultimately providing every part and aspect of my life. And that's why I want to be bringing those requests to Him. I want to be thanking Him for that. And the point here is that God is interested in being your source of provision, looking to Him for all that you would need, also forgiveness. And I think part of a healthy Christian walk includes an open heart before God, an open dialogue, a very you know, short, uh, short-term confession, if you will. Not, you know, waiting... A long time, you, you find yourself sinning and compromising and, and you go for a spell. And finally, conviction and you kind of come back and try to get your heart right. I mean, this, the moment the thought is there, the moment the word comes out, the moment the attitude shows up, Lord, forgive me. God, cleanse me. God, I know better. Your spirit is not what you want. I just quenched your spirit. Lord, I want to get this right. 
First John tells us that if we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Don't, don't go long in between getting your heart right with God. Don't pretend that you don't need to. We all do. And it's regular, it's daily. And, and you know, we're, we're trusting God to grow us, we're trusting God to mature us, and we're hoping that, that we're going to walk in more and more the image of Christ as we go. But the truth is, there are still areas in all of our lives that we need to be honest and open before God. Forgiveness of sin, confessing. that it, It's not, guys, it's not that God needs to hear it so much, but that our heart needs to acknowledge it. There's something healthy in that prayer life that is quick to, to ask God to forgive. And it, it, it keeps that relationship open and, and, and pure. We also notice in, in the Lord's Prayer that there is a prayer and request for protection. Lead us not into evil. Deliver us from evil. Uh, the New Living Translation says, Let us not yield to temptation. This is a reality that we all have to recognize in our petitions with God. Lord, protect me. Lord, help me to walk in the light of your calling upon my life. Take heed, the Bible says, lest, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You don't want to be so cavalier in your Christian walk. You know, out the door you go and you don't, you know, the devil may have something set up for you. The enemy may, may already have laid a trap for you. Isn't that what Jesus said when, when he was in the garden? He came back and found his disciples sleeping during the prayer when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. He said, pray lest you fall into temptation. Prayer is one of those safeguards for the things that are, that are out in front of us that we don't even know yet. The enemy is, is working against us. There's spiritual warfare afoot. Prayer and keeping your heart in diligence with Him through prayer is one of those you know, protections that God has given you. Lord, help me. Watch, guide my steps today. Lord, keep my heart and mind on You. Lord, may Your, may your Word be quick to my heart and mind. I don't want to imagine that I, I've got it together now and I'm, I'm good. Lord, I'm weak. I need You. I'm desperate for You. And so there is this constant petition asking God for protection, being honest before Him, and being yielded to Him. You know, there is a prayer in First Chronicles chapter 4. Uh, it's called the Prayer of Jabez. And I want to share it with you because, again, I, I, want you to, I want to encourage you that, you know what? If you need things in your life, ask the Lord. Now, again, we've already set the, the, the standard, right? We're only interested in asking God to do those things that are within His will. I mean, who wants to be praying for something that's against God's will? I don't want to be involved in that kind of prayer. If, if it's not His will, I don't really want to be seeing Him do it. That doesn't make any sense. But, but God does want to bless. God does want to provide. God, God does want to prosper our lives for His kingdom, for His purpose. In First Chronicles chapter 4... It says this, uh, verse 9, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Jabez was of the tribe of, of Judah. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. His name means he will cause pain. I'd like that to be the name that, that your mother gave you. He will cause pain. I'm thinking maybe a couple of my kids, that would have been a good name. 
<laughs> I got one on the front row here. I'm teasing him. <clears throat> Verse 10, And Jabez called on the, on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And so God granted him what he requested. Jabez had a heart. Lord, bless me. Enlarge my territory. Cause my life to be fruitful for you, God. That I Protect me from evil. Keep me on the right path. Don't let me cause pain to myself, to you, to my family. Lead me in the way that would bring glory and honor to you and blessing to others. But I like this prayer because he's asking God, to bless. He's asking God to enlarge his territory. You know, I, I've shared this with you. Uh, it was uh, some few months ago. I, I felt like the Lord was stirring my heart concerning our church and the ministry. And I felt as though the Lord were stirring my heart to ask God to grow the ministry and to bring increase. Now, I don't even know, just to be honest, I don't even know what that means entirely. I don't know if that means more missionaries that we would send out, whether that means more services that we will be doing, more ministry outreaches that we will be doing in the community, whether it will be more uh, people in the congregation. I don't know. But I just felt like God was speaking that into my heart. I want you to start praying for increase, for you know, a, a growth in the work that I'm doing in the church. And I was reluctant because I felt like that would be a little bit presumptuous, right? You know, oh, God told me to pray for our church to be blessed. Well, you know, come on, Pastor, take it easy. Just be thankful for what God's already done. And I am. And so I felt like, you know, I don't, Lord, I'm not sure that I, I, have, I can confidently pray that. I, I'm sensing that that's your heart. But, you know, Lord, if that's really what you want me to begin to pray for, I'm just going to ask you to, to send some kind of outside confirmation for that. Because I really don't want to be praying my agenda, Lord. I want to be praying your will and your purpose. And, as you know, I think I shared this with you some months back. Uh, God began to, to show several signs including one of our board members, uh, uh, our Pastor Brian from Calvary Chapel, La Mirada, felt like he had a word for me, and he said, you know, I just feel like God wants to do more, and you need to be praying and asking and looking for what else God wants to do. You know, just almost exactly what I felt the Lord stirring in my heart. And so that was okay, Lord. Then, then that gave me the freedom to begin to pray that way. And that's kind of what I see here. Jabez saying, you know, Lord, bless me, enlarge my territory, uh, that your hand would be with me. God, continue the good work that you want to do. And so I put that to prayer. I'm trusting the Lord. It's nothing I can do or make happen, but we'll see what God has. We'll see what God wants to do. But he stirred my heart to pray for it. And I want to encourage you in your own lives and in your own Christian walk, not to think small, and I, and I don't mean this in some self kind of puffed up way, but remember that you serve a God who is able to do above and beyond all that you can even ask or think. A God that loves you. A God that wants to bless you indeed. A God who has blessed you indeed. 
A God who has lavished His blessings upon you in Christ. And Paul would say this, uh, that, you know, if God, if, if while we were sinners, God sent this blessing your way, how much more now that you are a child of God will, does He want to do in terms of blessing and increasing the, the, the strength and spiritual fruit of your life? I don't know what that means in each and every life. That's for God to speak to your heart. It doesn't always mean what we think it means. <laughs> but I do believe that God wants to do more through each one of us. I think that God is, is not finished with us. I think that God wants to do exceedingly above and beyond all that we can even ask or think. And it's okay to pray for it. It's okay to make that a part of your peti- per- petition. God, grow me in my faith. Lord, use my life in a greater way for your glory and for your purpose, for your kingdom, for your will. I want to be a part of what you're doing in this time, in this season, in this age. Lord, I want my life to be fruitful and and in a way that would glorify you. Praying for those things that you need, making your requests known. Of course, there are needs. Of course, there are tragedies. There are trials. And in all of these things... God is asking you to look to Him in prayer. The third and kind of the final thing we'll look at tonight, the third expression and type of prayer is what we call intercession. Intercessory prayer. This is actually praying for the needs of others. Worship has a kind of self-reward because, I don't know, when we worship God in sincerity and truth, it seems that God's Spirit is really there to encourage and There's something kind of really pleasant about that prayer of worship. Our petitions are, that usually doesn't take too much encouragement because we all have plenty of things that we need God to do and we're always asking and and looking to Him for help. But this intercession, this is where it really becomes somewhat of a work. It's hard to pray for others. Hard to pray for others when we have so much of our own needs that we're praying for, but God has called us to intercessory prayer. And I do, I do see that, that in the Lord's Prayer, His instruction to the disciples, you'll notice it's give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. It is in the plural. It's almost as if the Lord is saying, look, when you pray, pray for your own needs, but this, this is for us. You will be praying this for the needs of others as well. He doesn't, just, he doesn't say, give me day by day my daily bread, but give us our daily bread. So there is this instruction, even in the Lord's Prayer, to kind of be, be mindful of one another, that our prayers should not just be our own petitions, but they should also be for the needs and struggles of others. Intercessory prayer. And it can be hard work. In Colossians chapter 4, Verse 12, Paul says this of Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ. He greets you, and it says, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Paul speaks of this this man named Epaphras, who was from the church at Colossae, and he was with Paul, and Paul says, hey, your, the brother from your church sends his, his blessings, and I want you to know 
This brother is laboring for you in prayer. This guy is an intercessor, and he labors fervently for you. Boy, isn't that a, a beautiful thought? How, how many of you would like to have someone laboring fervently for you in prayer? Boy, I, I, I'll take some of that. And that's what intercessory prayer is. It's praying for others. It's, and it is a work. It is laboring. You know, you may remember this. I'm going to put up uh, the story out of Exodus. Uh, but it's this idea of interceding and praying on behalf of others. Maybe you remember this story when Moses uh, and the children of Israel were in the wilderness and the Amalekites came to fight against the people. And uh, Moses sent Joshua out to fight and he went up with Aaron and her, kind of overlooking the battlefield. And he began to pray. He began to intercede for Joshua and the armies of Israel to, to have victory. And it, it, it goes like this in Exodus 17, verse 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And when Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Interesting picture here. God, I think, trying to communicate something about the power of intercessory prayer. When, the, when Moses' hands were up in prayer, Joshua was winning the battle. When his hands began to grow weary and he put him down, the enemy started to win the battle. I mean, what's the difference? It's the prayer. There's only one thing that's gonna, that, that ultimately decides the fate of this battle, that Joshua is down, down on the battlefield. It's the intercessory prayer of Moses. Now, you know, clearly, you can intercede without lifting your hands, but God is trying to communicate something here. God is trying to teach a spiritual principle through this natural illustration of what went down with Moses. Moses, you need to be praying. And if you need help in interceding, then you get help. You don't just do it by yourself. Get Aaron and her and together pray and intercede, and God will bring victory. Now we know that for God, victory is, is a foregone conclusion. But for some reason, and I can't say that I completely understand it, God has invited us into this process. The battle hinged on Moses interceding for God's people. And I believe today that there are spiritual battles that hinge upon our interceding in prayer. A loved one, a family member, a prodigal child, a, a, a crisis in your marriage, a situation beyond your control, financial struggle, a health issue, overwhelming, circumstances that are beyond what you and I can manage or for someone else, and prayer will make the difference. Paul said we don't battle against flesh and blood. What you see in the natural is not the only thing going on. There are often spiritual realities at work, and there needs to be prayer. And God is calling us. And for some, you know, the truth is, you have not because you ask not.
you're losing and your loved ones are losing spiritual battles because nobody is praying. No one is interceding. And it's labor, it's work, I, it's not easy. And even, even, even Moses' hands grew heavy. But it's essential. This intercessory is such an important part of our prayer life and praying for one another, praying for our city, praying for our nation, praying for our leaders, praying for our families, praying for our loved ones, praying for our church, praying for God to work in our generation. I want to see God pour His Spirit out. I want to see God work in these last days. I believe God wants to work. I believe God wants to do something. I believe that God wants to bring victory. But if my people will but pray, it's almost as if heaven is waiting on us. If you will pray, I will hear from heaven, and I will work, I will move, I will... I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of, but it's going to be labored and birthed in prayer. And it's not just this quick, you know, casual one-time prayer. Sometimes prayers need to be persistent. We'll look at some more of that in our future weeks to come as we study prayer. But this is certainly an important part of our prayer life. Worship, petition, intercession. I want to close here tonight with just some perspective on prayer it's very important that when we pray we pray in faith and the way to pray in faith is not to be focused on the need but to be focused on god if you're looking at the giants in the land if you're looking at the mountains before you prayer is going to lack faith because it's going to seem impossible. It's going to seem like it's too late. It's going to seem like it won't matter. It's going to seem like it doesn't, you know, it's not going to help. Because all of the circumstances are going to be set. You have to lift your eyes to the Lord. That's the proper way, place to be placing your, your, your focus when you're in prayer. Perspective is important. Otherwise you pray a very feeble prayer, no faith. And I've, I've done it. I'm sure you have too. Oh, I should pray. I guess I better pray. Okay, Lord, I know that this is impossible and you're probably not going to do it anyway, but I, <laughs> I, don't, want to, I don't want you to be able to say I didn't pray. I, okay, Lord, please work. Please help. Amen. <laughs> That's, you know, how we are sometimes. We're, we're, it's not much faith. But you have to remember that uh, God, God is in control of everything. He is almighty and all-powerful. Do you know that His sovereignty, God, God, God already knows what you're going to pray before you pray it. God already knows how He's going to answer it. God already knows what's coming. He knows what you're in. <laughs> and He knows what's coming. You're praying to a God with whom nothing is impossible. Now, it doesn't mean that He's going to do it the way you and I hoped He will and want Him to all the time. But it means that nothing is impossible with Him. When you pray to God, you have tapped in to the power of all the universe and beyond. It's like, you know, I had a friend of mine used to, you know, tell me this. You know, imagine that you had this connection to you know, some multi-billionaire who told you anytime you need some help, you know, in your 
situation, just give me a call. I mean, I'd be on that phone. But I'd be with such confidence, you know, I need a little help here. And it'd be so easy for someone with those kinds of resources. And he's already committed and he's already said, I'm with you. I want to I support you in this project. And you, know, you just, it, it would be kind of like you wouldn't worry about your troubles because you'd know you got the, the hotline to the resource. And, and prayer is so much more than that. It is the, it's the tapping into the power of Almighty God. God knows everything about your life. He's all wise. Well, maybe you're confused. Maybe you need wisdom. James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it liberally. But ask in faith, believing. God has all the wisdom you need. You need to make a decision. You got something before you. You're not sure what to do. Guess who knows? God. Pray. Ask Him to show you. Ask Him to close a door. Ask Him to open a door. Ask Him to speak to you out of, a, out of a word, out of a sermon, on a radio. Open your heart. Listen for the voice of God. Pray. Ask. Seek. He will answer. Knock and it will be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask and you, it shall be given to you. God is wanting to supply. God is not up there kind of reluctantly, you know, uh, troubled every time you're, like you're a nuisance to Him. God is wanting to supply. God is wanting to give you that wisdom, that direction. God wants to lead your life. He wants to show you these things. He wants to grow your faith. And He's going to draw that out of you. Boy, doesn't He? You know, trials have purpose. Trials have purpose in that they are called, they, they temper and perfect our faith. And God knows just what kind of trial to fashion, doesn't He? <laughs> Just when you think you're okay, you don't need him. Boy, he knows just how to fashion uh, a little trouble that gets you where you belong, where you should be all anyway, on your knees crying out to God. And so he uses even difficulties, the things that you think somehow, this God, I know you didn't see this one coming. You know, you are got to be as surprised as I am. God knows. God has allowed it. Nothing comes your way except by the counsel of God. Remember in the book of Job, Satan, he had to get permission to bring that trouble to Job. Nothing has come to your life but what God has sovereignly allowed. Now I know, I wish he hadn't allowed some of it, but he does and he has. But I trust him, I've learned to trust him, that even the trial, even the difficulty that he brings, that he allows... It serves a purpose in my life spiritually. And you know what? Whatever needs to be done today to strengthen and mature my faith in a perspective of eternity, okay, it's worth it. Lord, do what you need to do. Because I, you know, whatever I can learn now is going to be fruitful for me on into eternity. Don't lose that perspective that somehow... You know, this circumstance, if it doesn't turn out or work out the way you hope, all is lost. God knows what He's doing, and God is looking for you to come to Him. Get the wisdom you need. Get the resources that you need. He's not limited by your circumstance. You remember Gideon. God had to whittle His army down to, you know, just severe improbabilities, Right? 130,000 Midianites against 300 men. God wanted to demonstrate that He doesn't need... You know, the circumstances are irrelevant. What, it, what is relevant is that God is for us. 
And if God is for us, who can be against us? What's relevant is what God is doing through this trial, what God is wanting to fashion in my life. And He's trying to build and perfect faith, patience, those things that are of eternal value in my spiritual life and walk. And it doesn't, you know, you know this, you can't learn these things from a book. I mean, we learn the principles from the Word, but life is where God really forges them into our character. And so God is looking for you to walk with Him in prayer. Keep that perspective. Keep an eternal mindset. Recognize who He is and all that He is capable of. We'll close with this chapter in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 14. This is with Jonathan. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they come across this Philistine garrison. You know, and so it's just him. And, and, but I love his faith here because he realizes, you know, with God, I'm a majority. This is the right perspective. And he says this to, to his, his young armor bearer. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Listen, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. God is not limited by resource. God is not limited by circumstance. And Jonathan knows that. Now, he's, he sets up a little test. We don't, we're not going to study that tonight. He doesn't just go charging off into battle. He, he waits for the Lord to confirm that he wants to bring this victory. But his heart is, it may be. God can do this. Let's pray. Let's find out what God wants to do. Let's walk in faith. Because you know what? Nothing is impossible with him. It may be that God will save by many or by few. God may bring the resources or God may do it with little resources. Nothing limits our God. The only thing that limits often is our own faith and our own lack of prayer. Perspective is important in our prayer life. And I trust that we will grow in faith and grow in these areas of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you that we have this access into the very Holy of Holies, that you are just, Lord, always available and always attentive to the cry of our heart. To imagine that we have this God so interested, so available, committed, to us, to help us in time of need, to provide for us, to strengthen us, to deliver us, just to walk through the valley with us. Lord, these things are discovered in prayer. These things are found in, in the depths of prayer. I pray, God, that you would make us fervent prayers. Lord, in, in all of these areas, Lord, I want to be a worshiper. I want my worship prayer life to be vibrant. I want it to be diligent. I I want to be, Lord, rain or shine, good days, bad days. I want to be a worshiper because you're worthy of that, Lord. That's the one thing I can give to you that that you actually, you know, desire from me. That the heart of worship, my love, my devotion, my my praise, my thanks. Lord, make us worshipers. God, I, I pray that we would be bold in our, in our petitions, that we would be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything we would pray. Looking to you for our provision, looking to you for the help, Lord, that we need in our families, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our finances, God, in our health, in the relationships, Lord, that are that are causing trouble. Lord, we look to you. You wanting to hear from us. You're asking us to be anxious and worried over nothing but in everything pray. Make us prayers, Lord, and finally, Lord, make us intercessors. Lord, when we think about the needs around us, our brothers and sisters, our own family, our church, our city, community, our country, Lord, this day that we live in, the culture, God, we need you. God, rise up, a, right, rise up a spirit of intercession in your church that we would be praying, that this would be a house of prayer. Yes, let there be the teaching of your word. Yes, let there be fellowship, breaking of bread. God, let there be prayer. Let there be prayer. As we close here tonight, just keeping your heads bowed with me, I, I do want to give an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you do not know the Lord in a personal way, you've never received Jesus Christ into your heart, you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins, you've never put your trust in what He has done at the cross for you, I'd love to pray for you if God is speaking to you. We studied there at the beginning that God was adding daily those that were to be saved. It may be that God wants to add you tonight to this family of the saved, those that would trust in Jesus. I'd love to pray for you if He's speaking to you tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Him. Maybe you've grown distant in your walk, cold. Your prayer life is virtually non-existent. You're just kind of Christian in name, but not really much in the heart. But the Lord is speaking to you and He's saying, you know, come back to me. Come back into that vibrant, close relationship where we're communicating and you're allowing me to work my purpose and will and kingdom through your life. I'd love to pray for you too. So if you're here tonight and you need to receive the Lord for the very first time or you need to rededicate, recommit your life to Him, would you just raise your hand where you're seated so I can see you and I'll pray for you. Anybody here tonight? God bless you, sir. You as well. You, ma'am, up here as well. Amen. God bless you, sir. Amen. Anyone else? You want this prayer, these hands that have responded. I'm going to pray for them. Anyone else here tonight? Lord, speaking to you, you need to. You want to receive him, you want to come back to him. God bless you, ma'am. Amen. I see you. The Lord sees your heart. Any others, just before I pray. Okay, Father, we do thank You. We thank You for such a wonderful blessing of salvation. We thank You that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Lord, we confess we're sinners. 
We confess and acknowledge, Lord, we need forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, Jesus taught us to pray. As we forgive those that have sinned against us, Lord. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to help us to forgive others. Lord, we we ask that you would, by your grace and mercy, just call us back unto yourself in relationship, Lord. I I need to be walking with you and and I want to to live with you in a in a daily relationship, Lord, not just some religious idea. I want to be in relationship with you. I need you tonight, God. Meet these hearts, Lord. Cleanse them of their sin. Fill them with your spirit. And lead them now, Lord, in this daily beautiful walk of relationship with you. Cleanse them, heal them, touch them. Comfort them tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? Let's close in a song of worship. That's part of our church prayer tonight is worshiping Him. And uh, we'll dismiss right after.